Uh, I'm excited, y'all. It is Vision Builders Sunday. Oh, come on. It is Vision Builders and Vision Builders get excited. This is what we do. We get excited on Vision Builders Sunday. Any Vision Builders in the house today? Oh, Ooh, I came. I came caffeinated today. I came, I came ready to preach today. P-R-E-A-C-H today. Um, in our Vision Builders Sunday, we have this extraordinary opportunity that we get to be intentional. The leadership and our spiritual guides here at the church have decided that on the fifth Sunday of every, any time that there's a fifth Sunday, we're going to hit the pause button and we're going to reflect on the vision that God has given our church community. And here's what I know, that the vision needs builders. How many believe that the vision needs builders? It doesn't just need hearers. It doesn't just need witnesses. It needs builders. So I'm going to ask again, do we have any builders in the house here today? And so this is not an exclusive call. This is not just a call for some because the vision builders are actually the ones that respond to the call. It's a call for everyone. And those that respond to the call are the the builders of the vision, those that respond to it, those that give their yes to the call. So I want you to think about it this way. This is the time that we just hit the pause button, no matter what we're doing as a church. And we say this, we're not going to hear a brand new vision. How many know that there is a vision Sunday that we have, and we just kind of give a layout or an update on what God is doing in terms of what's the next thing he has for us. But what Vision Builder Sunday is, is a time that we as the builders get to reflect on what God has already said. What I mean is that sometimes it is so easy for us to be addicted to the new thing. Come on, somebody. Sometimes what you need is not a new spouse. Like, Lord, I need a new spouse. No. You just need to learn how to make the marriage better. Come on, somebody. And so I I want you to think about this as this is not a wedding that's taking place. How many excited when people get married? Come on, come on, come on, come on. It's exciting. Some of us just like weddings because we get to go and celebrate at someone else's expense. Come on, somebody. But this is not a new wedding that's taking place. This is actually when we take time to reflect on the marriage. The proverbial marriage in this case is the vision. That we're not looking to lay out another vision. We are looking to reflect on the vision that's already been laid out. And I think sometimes it's so easy to be addicted to the new and and overestimate what you're going to achieve in a year. In one year, I'm going to have a six pack. This is my year. I'm going to have the perfect body. And you could overestimate what you can achieve in a year, but then underestimate what God can do in your life in five. And sometimes we get discouraged because the vision hasn't been carried out in a year. But I'm here to tell you, like, if you stay the course and we remain faithful, how many believe we're going to see that vision come to pass in this house? Uh, I want to I share this with you uh, from the book of Joshua. And I really believe that God has given me this word for our church here today. If you're new to this experience, I want to just say welcome. Uh, I'm glad that you are visiting our church. I'm glad that you found us somewhere. I just believe that God maybe intentionally set you up to hear what's happening in the house. It's a perfect Sunday because the vision builders get to hear about the opportunities we have to build together. 
But if you're here for the first time, it's an opportunity for you to kind of like peek the curtain back and kind of see what's happening behind the scenes and decide maybe this is the church community that God wants you to be a part of. And I just pray that that God will speak to you that if this is your home, that you would plant your feet here and stay firm here. Amen. Joshua chapter one, verse one through six, it says, matter of fact, I'm going to read it from the good old book. Come on, somebody. Ooh, I feel like glory. It says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun. Who's the only man in the Bible to not have parents? Joshua, son of Nun. Man, that was epic. That was good, right, John? That was, that was pretty good. I thought so too. I worked on that all week. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come. Someone shout, the time has come. No, no, say it like, I mean, this is a loud church. I mean, we don't, the time has come. No, the time has come. Come on, somebody. The time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev, the wilderness in the south of the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one, someone shout no one. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. The title to my message is a really simple title, and it's this. Someone shout it to your neighbor. Tell them, take the land. Now look at your other neighbor, the one that you rejected. Tell them, take the land. If you ain't got a neighbor next to you, tell it to yourself. Say, this is my season to take the land. Do we got anybody in this place that is ready to take the land? Help me pray. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have a word for your church. Help me preach it. Less of me, more of you, until there's none of me and all of you. Help me share this three-hour message in the next 30 minutes. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. Give God a praise in this room. You know, I, I love this quote that says that when it comes to growing old, growing old is mandatory, but growing up is optional. Some of y'all read that quote. Come on. Growing old is mandatory, but growing up is optional because the implications of that quote suggest to me that if there's any area in my life where I want to grow in, then I must be intentional. I must choose to grow in that area. How many parents in the house? You don't want your child to just, I mean, we got some happy parents in the house. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Usually the parents are like, yeah, that's me. Um, but, but how many parents in the house know that you don't want your child just to grow old? You want your child to grow up. You want them to develop. To develop. You want them to grow. You want them to learn different things. And with that being said, my daughter is now 14. 
years old. Yeah, you heard it right. I know what you're thinking. You don't look old enough to have a 14-year-old. God bless you. But 14 years old. My daughter is 14 years old. In a couple of months, she will be 15 years old. And she's talking about that she wants a quinceañera. She's 14 years old, and I've seen her grow up. I've seen her develop. I've seen her learn new things. And, and do, do we have a picture of... That was a good time to like, that's my baby, like my baby girl. This is the youngest in the home right now. We have 24, 22, 18, and now 14, going to be 15. That's the youngest. And I don't know who that man was, but there was two of those guys right there. Come on, somebody. She had two dads. Um, that wasn't funny, guys. This, that was not funny. Um. But we're in a season now that I'm, I'm teaching her something new. I am teaching her how to drive. I'm teaching my daughter. She is learning how to drive. And there was a season where she was watching me as she learned how to drive. And she would watch me as I drove. And, and then there was a season where she was asking and scenarios were being brought up of how to drive and what to do and what, what to do when you approach certain lights and signs. And, and, and that was an aspect of her learning. But then there came a time where she had to step out of, outside of the passenger seat. There came a time where she had to step into the driver's seat. There came a time where she had to get behind the wheel and she had to put to practice what she learned thus far. How many of you know there was a time where she could not go any further, that her growth process could not go any further until she got out of the passenger seat, got into the driver's seat, put her hands on the steering wheel and began to put to practice what she has learned thus far. Can I just say Christ uncensored? There comes a time where our growth process cannot go any further, that there's nothing, there's no more studying that we can do, there's no more information that we can add to ourselves, that there's something that we cannot grow into unless we begin to step out in faith, put our hands on the steering wheel, and then begin to put to practice what we have already learned. And so many times we think that we're going to grow by adding more information, by studying more, and God is saying, no, this is the season where you step out in faith, you begin to put your hands on what I've called you to put your hands on and walk in all that I've called you to walk in. This is the new season. It's the new season of growth. You don't grow just from watching and you don't grow just from hearing. You have to grow by walking into. What I mean is it's going to take more than just hoping something happens. It's going to take you, take you helping something happen. It's going to take more than you wishing growth happens. It's going to take you working for growth to happen. It's going to take more than you getting information. It's going to take you getting more involved. It's going to take more than you have a desire to develop. It's going to take for you to be dedicated to your own development. Do we got any anybody in this place that's ready to say I'm ready to step out and get my hands on the steering wheel Christ and sense that God has given this church a vision he has given us a dream he has he has said here's here's the vision and there was a time that we heard the vision there was a time that we saw the vision we could see the vision but what the vision needs at this particular moment and in this season of our church life is not more hearers and not more witnesses. God is calling for some participators. 
He's looking for some builders. It's people that are going to say, I'm not looking to go grow old in the house. I'm looking to grow up in the house. I'm not looking to just have a vague awareness of the vision, but I'm looking to be a worker of the vision. Do we have any builders in the house today? I believe this is the conversation that God is having with, with Joshua. This is the kind of conversation he's having with Joshua. When we look at this text, we see a people who are going in the middle of a transition. They've been given a vision. They were given a promise. They were given something that they were able to, able to participate in. They weren't just meant to watch it. They weren't meant to just hear it, hear it. They were actually meant to be partakers. They were meant to step out of the passenger seat and get into the driver's seat and begin to put to practice, actively participate in what God has called them to do. And here's the first thing that he tells Joshua upon the death of Moses. It says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's disciple, God spoke to Moses' assistant, whose name was Joshua, the son of Nun. And he said to him, now that my servant is dead, you are the new leader of Israel. Lead my people across the Jordan River into the promised land. I say to you, what I said to Moses, where you go will be part of the land of Israel. God is speaking to Joshua and what he's saying to Joshua, he's not serving Joshua notice that Moses is dead because I was scared. Everybody knew that my boy Moses chucked the deuce. Everybody knew that Moses was dead. There was an understanding that Moses was dead, but what God was doing was not serving notice to Joshua that Moses was dead. He was serving notice to Joshua that now your time has come. See, the message that he was giving Joshua is not that, hey, I need you to know that Moses is dead and we need to have a funeral. No, he's saying, hey, up until this time, you were able to watch Moses. You were able to listen to Moses. You were able to be mentored by Moses. But let me tell you something, Joshua. The time has come where it's not no longer okay for you to listen and for you to watch. The time has come for you to step up to your new season of growth and your new season of development and become an active participator of what I've called God's people to do. He says, Joshua... My servant Moses is dead. In other words, you cannot defer back to him. You cannot assign back to him what I'm assigning to you now. He says, it's your time to stay, step up. It's no longer Moses' people. It's your people. It's no longer his assignment. It is your assignment. I have appointed you. And can I just hit the pause button here real quickly? I just want to tell everybody, look at me, that God uses people to select and appoint people. But listen to me very clear, that we do the selecting, but it's God that does the appointing. And every single person in this room has been appointed, and they've been anointed by God. And there is a promised land for each and every one of us that he's waiting for you to walk into. Do we have anybody in this place that's ready to walk into their promise? I love this because he says, whatever you place your feet on, it's yours. Did you hear that? That was a good time to say amen. I'm going to say, whatever you place your feet on, it's yours. In other words, there's some of us in this room that God is just waiting for you to place your feet on it. There's some promises that he's made to some of us in this house. And the only reason that we're not walking in all that God has made available for us is because he's saying, my son and my daughter, I'm just waiting for you to 
take the step and walk into what I have for you. He's saying, my son and my daughter, that land is yours. It has your name on it. You can put, you can send it to the bank because I have given it to you. It is yours. You have the victory over it. You have the ownership over it. All I'm waiting for you to do is to take a step and walk in it. And whatever you take your step of faith on, it becomes yours. He says, Joshua, I need you to lead my people. And one of the first things he says to Joshua, what I believe is these reminders that he gives Joshua. And I think that those reminders are really relevant to us here on this vision, on this vision builder Sunday. I think the same reminders that he gave Joshua, Joshua years ago would really bless us here on this vision builder Sunday. And I'm speaking to everyone here uh, in this room from leaders to, to dream team members to community group leaders, to uh, even if you only come on a Sunday, like I'm speaking to every single person in this room, and I believe that these are the reminders. This is not just an ordinary preaching, a feel-good message. This is something that God is sharing with us to challenge us to step into our new season of growth. I don't want to grow old. I want to grow up. Come on, somebody. And here's what I believe the first thing, the first reminder he gives to to his servant Joshua, it's this. Joshua, don't confuse exiting Egypt with entering the promised land. I need you to hear that. Don't confuse exiting Egypt with entering the promised land. And I think it's so easy that once you have come out of Egypt just to become satisfied at where you are, that you end up hindering yourself from walking into what God has promised you. I think it's so easy that we can get into this mentality of, at least I'm not in Egypt. At least I'm not where I used to be. And let me tell you, escaping Egypt and exiting Egypt is worth praising God for. It's worth celebrating for. It's worth giving him all the honor and praise for. But listen to me very clearly. Sometimes we get stuck at the place of just exiting Egypt because we confuse exiting Egypt from entering the promised land. As if God only wanted us to be set free from Egypt. He says, no, my son, no, my daughter. I didn't call you just to be pulled out of Egypt. I called you to walk into something better. And sometimes God's children are shortchanging ourselves because we are just satisfied and we're just happy with escaping Egypt and exiting Egypt. We're just, we're just, well, at least I'm not, I'm not sinning like I used to before. Well, at least I'm not acting ratchet online like I used to before. Well, at least I'm not watching rated R movies like I used to before. Well, at least I'm not cussing up a storm like I used to before. Well, at least I'm, I'm, at least I'm coming to Sundays. I'm coming to church twice a month. Oh, it got quiet on me right there. Somebody felt the Holy Ghost shift, right? At least, you know, at least, you know, at least I'm, I'm coming to church. You know, at least I'm, I'm showing up at, at, at least. And, and yeah, you're, you're still happy that you escaped Egypt. But God is saying you're shortchanging yourself if you think that's all I have for your life. At least, at least I don't mistake what God pulled you out of for the blessing he has in your future. Don't confuse leaving, leaving Egypt because leaving Egypt is just part of the story, but it is not the final end to your story. See, there's a difference between the areas that God calls you out of 
the areas that God calls you through and the areas that God calls you to. I want you to hear this. There are places where God pulls you out of. He's going to bring you out of some places. But then there's other places that God, what he wants to do is just bring you through them. You're not meant to stay there. He didn't bring you to them. He's bringing you through them. And so sometimes we end up building houses in a place that we're supposed to pitch a tent. Because we got to keep it moving. And sometimes what happened with the people of Israel is that they escaped Egypt. They exited Egypt. But they got so comfortable that they were no longer in Egypt that for years upon years upon years upon years upon years upon Y'all get the message? Upon years, they were in the wilderness satisfied that they were no longer under the government of Egypt, under the slavery of Egypt, under the bondage of Egypt. And so they spent years upon years in a place that they were supposed to go through as if it was the place that God called them to. You're not meant to live in the wilderness. See, God called you out of Egypt. See, this is what the psalmist said. He said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow. He said, though I live in the valley of the shadow of death. No, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. See, so many of us, we're, we're building houses in the valley. We're building homes in the valley. We're building our identity in the valley. We're building our marriage in the valley. We're having children in the valley. And God is saying, no, you were never meant to build your home in the valley. You were meant to go through the valley and build your home in the promise because here's what I have for you. Does anybody believe that in this place? Don't confuse exiting Egypt with entering the promised land. Can I tell you on this Vision Builder Sunday, I think it's so easy for us to look at what God has done. I think it's so easy for us to look at all that God has accomplished in the history of our church in the last decade and be like, man, look what God has done. He has given us the victory and we're no longer in COVID and we like we're Good. Can I tell you, this is the best financial year that this church has ever had in the history of our church. And, and guess what? We could be happy there. We could be satisfied there. We could be happy we are no longer in Egypt. We got a full-time pastor. We got an amazing leadership. We got an amazing worship team. We have the best bass player in the game, my boy Tom. We could be happy here. We could be content here. Unless God has a promised land waiting for us that's not here. And this is just the place we're supposed to go through, not to. <sighs> See, I think it's so easy to get satisfied with what God has done already. And we can over-celebrate what he's done to the point that it eclipses us from seeing where he wants us to go. But I think that if there's a promised land of people, I think that there's a promised land of people that are waiting for us to walk into that promise. I think there's a promised land of people, and all, is, all we need is some active 
participation. I think there's a promised land of leaders that are waiting, that God is looking to develop, but all we need is active participation. I think that there's a promised land of Gen Zers that God is looking to reach, and all we need is an active participation. I think that there's a building and a facility and a property that God has for his church, and all he needs is active participation. I'm going to say it again. Do we have any vision builders in the house today? He's looking, he's looking, he's looking for vision builders, and he calls, he calls Joshua, and he says, hey, man, don't, you, you, you've, you've left Egypt, but don't confuse exiting Egypt with entering the promised land. I think the second advice that he gives him is this. Just because I called you to conquer the land doesn't mean you won't have to contend for it. Ooh! I used to be a rapper. That's why these are called sermon bars. <laughs> Just because I've called you to conquer the land does not mean that you won't have to contend for it. Are you like me where I'm like, God, if you gave me the land, so I was scared. Why can't I just walk in? Why do I have to contend for it? Why do I have to? Why does it have to cost me something? He says, no one will be able to oppose you as long as you live. And if you continue to read the book of Joshua, you will find out that before they ever made it to the promised land, they had to battle 13, 12 to 13 armies, one including a coalition of kings that came against the people of Israel. So battle after battle after battle, in other words, that God gave them the land to conquer and the land was already theirs. Every place that they placed their foot on was theirs, but they still had to contend for it. See, here's what I want to say. I think, I think that there's so many of us like, God, I just, I just want a happy marriage. Can I submit to you? You may have to contend for it. God, would you just fix her? This hypothetical, guys. This has nothing to do with what's going on in my home. God, would you? He says, yeah, it's yours. The promised land is there. You just have to contend for it. God, would you give me the business? He says, the business is yours. You just have to contend for it. God, I just want this financial, I want to be able to be financially free. He says, yes, I've given you the power to gain wealth. You just have to contend for it. God is saying, hey, the battle is already won, but you still have to step into war and win the battle. It's yours. You still have to step out and walk into the battle. What he's telling Joshua is that, Joshua, listen, I know you need to know that the victory is yours. The battle's already won, but you still have to contend. But you still have to fight. And I, I think so often we can slip into the mentality that, God, I want to make a difference, but I don't want it to cost me anything. I think the promised land is always guaranteed to us all, but it's never packaged in convenience. And I think if we were to say, how many want to walk in the promised land? Everybody say, yes! But it's going to cost us something. And it's never packaged in the wrap of convenience. We're going to have to contend. Success is not found in the neighborhood of convenience. It's found in contending. A happy home and a happy marriage is not found in convenience. I've never seen somebody stumble into a happy marriage. Every happy marriage, you talk to people that have been married for 50 years, they say, we had to work at it. 
You never marry the right one. You just end up becoming the right one throughout the years. Hasta aquí mi parte, que Dios le bendiga. Here's what I know about Christ Uncensored and what he's promised this house is that he's, he's promised us that this is the season that we are to walk into our very own property. Ten people. I'm going to let the rest of y'all join in. Everybody join in. Angie, come on, somebody. I really believe that he's called this house to begin to walk into a facility, a property. A property that's going to make a difference in Staten Island like Staten Island has never heard before. For the last 10 years, we have been nomads. <laughs> Going from place to place like the people of Israel, marching in tent to tent. But I really believe that our season of walking into the doors, I already see the ribbon being cut. I already see the facility and the space. And here's what I know to be true, that the land is ours to conquer, that the land is us is there for the taking, that God is saying, take the land, but I still need you to know that you're going to have to contend for it and it's going to cost you something. So what I believe that God is calling every single person here in this room at the sound of my voice, those that are watching online. How many grateful for our online community? Uh, Christ Uncensored, can I tell you that there's a, a nice group of people in this room, but there are hundreds of people that are watching us online and not only watching us online, but they are partnering with this ministry. I just went to the, to, to the office in the back and there's offerings that are being written to Christ uncensored from people all over the world. Can we praise God for that? So he's calling all of us to, to, to not just watch the vision or hear the vision. He's calling us all to submit to the vision. And some of you guys heard that word submit, and you're like, you already started twitching. Like, why is my eye blinking? I don't What's going on? Yeah, because submission has been used to abuse people. That word submit has been abused, and it has been used over and over to, to like, manipulate people. But I, but I think that that's what the enemy does. He distorts something good so that we can begin to push it away. See, because what God has called his church is to submit to a mission, not to submit to a Sunday service. See, when you're submitted to a Sunday service, you pick and choose. Well, today I'll go to this church and tomorrow I'll watch online and because it's all about the Sunday experience. But I just genuinely believe that God didn't call us to have a Sunday experience. He called us to be on mission. How many know that he's called all of us to be on mission? I ain't, somebody help me preach today. He's called all of us to be on mission. It, you, you serve differently when you are on mission. You live differently when you are on mission. When you're out to save people, when you're out to save souls, when you're out to expand God's kingdom, where you're out pulling people from out of the miry clay, when you are on mission and God is calling his people to submit to the mission. And that's why he puts leaders and he puts pastors over us. And I think we're living in a time in our, our day 
that the enemy tries to distort the image of leadership and the image of pastor so that we won't have respect for our leadership, so that God's people would be in chaos. Can I tell you that one of the things that they say in other countries is that the reason that the gospel doesn't go forward the way it does in other countries is because the image of a father has been distorted. See, because the way the gospel works in other countries is that when you share it with the father who's the patriarch, then the whole house gets saved. Y'all ain't going to help me preach today. It's all right. And so when you witness to the father, what happens? The whole family gets saved in other countries. So the gospel keeps going forward. Now, what happens often in this country? That the image of the father has been distorted. And so you could share it to the father. It doesn't matter because on every TV program, what, are they, what do you see? The father is the brunt, the brunt of, the joke, of the joke. Come on, when was the last time you saw a father figure in one of the programs that we watch as a patriarch? No, he's always the joke of every, he's always, he's always the, the one they're joking on. He's always the goofy guy. Oh, da, da. I'm sorry. It's poor acting. What? So what am I saying? That? What I'm saying is that because the enemy distorts the image so that the gospel won't go forward. So what does he do in the church? He distorts the image of leadership and pastors so that God's people and God's flock will just see pastors and leaders as, yeah, those just, you know, that's just Pastor Lisa. You know, you know Pastor Lisa. You know, that's Pastor Rowe. You know that. And, I, and I'm at a place in, 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 in my relationship with God. I mean, I think, it's, I think it's something about the 40s. It is, right, honey? You've been there for a couple of years. So I mean, like you... You can give me advice on this. But there's something about being in my 40s. Like, I used to be a little timid to share some things. But now that I hit 40, I'm not even scared to say 40 anymore. I say 40 with some swag. I think the enemy has tried to distort the image of pastors. And the image of a pastor is that God has placed them in your life to be your spiritual shepherd. To give you the next steps of what he wants in your life. And again, over the years, people have, pastors have manipulated and have used things to their advantage, and even to this day. But just because something has been abused doesn't mean we're not accountable to it. Just because something has been abused is still our responsible to maintain the purity of what God has always intended. And he's placed leaders and pastors in our lives so that when the pastor speaks, the people, God's people begin to follow God's people begin to follow the example that the pastor is leading. Can I tell you, when my pastor speaks to me, I take it as if it's God speaking to me. Unless he's asking me to do something sinful, I believe that God has placed Pastor Russ Hodgins in my life for a reason. He's there to help me take the next spiritual steps in my growth process. And if I just see Pastor Russ as this just ordinary person, uh, oh, that's just Pastor Russ, and just I'm going to weigh out what he has to say. No, like if Pastor Russ, one time Pastor Russ told me this. He said, hey, listen, I need you to start sowing into this ministry. First thing I did, I said, mama friend, could we start sowing into this ministry? Why? Because my pastor spoke. And I refused to just make his words ordinary words. I refuse to make his words ordinary words. So what happens? That God places people to get his children on mission. And I believe that that's what he wants in this house even right now. That he's using us as the leaders to lead everyone in this room in their spiritual journey to take the next step of their growth. And this is the next thing that he tells Joshua. He says, be strong and brave. For you will be a successful leader of my people. 
and they shall conquer all the land I promise to their ancestors. Did you see it? He put Joshua to lead, but he also said they will do the conquering. And sometimes we think that just because Joshua is the leader, he's the only one to do the conquering. But he's saying they, my people, my children, they will be doing the conquering. They will be the ones that are, be, are going to be taking territory. They're going to be the ones that are going to take the land. And here's the last reminder for us all today. When the leaders lead the way, the people will follow. When the leaders lead the way, the people will follow. And I just want to lay out the vision for us today. And I, and I want to pray that you all take this in consideration. This is the vision of our church. I want you to see uh, or go to the website, maybe not now, but at a later time, that you will go to kuhau.com slash vision 2023. Go to kuhau. The entire website, kuhau.com slash vision 2023, this is a website that is dedicated to explaining the vision of our church. What God has done so far and what God is going to do within the next few years and what we're believing our prom promised land is. And to summarize it is, at the end of the day, God has called us to reach people. No matter what context we are in, God will always call this church to reach people. If you want to know anything about this church, is that this will be a church that would stand firm on loving people. In the middle of the pandemic, when everybody was losing their mind, we took a stand and we say, no matter what happens, we're going to choose to love, we're going to choose to forgive, we're going to choose to give grace, we're going to choose to be accepting, we're going to choose to hug. And so we're going to do that through our Sunday experiences. We're going to do that through our growth track. We're going to do that through our community group. By the way, if you ever want to know what's the best way to get plugged in and become active participators, begin to start your journey on growth track. All right? The second thing is that we have a goal to raise $200,000 for our property. See, everybody got excited about the property. But once we said the $200, we're like, God, let that come like manna from heaven. Come on. It's like, no, like the, the victory is yours. The property is yours, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost us something. It's going to cost us giving up something so that we can give up to something. And, of course, we have projects for the future, like that we're going to need new equipment and upgrade some of the, our online experiences and and this is the vision that God has give us, given us. And I'm so excited because um, what we do is that we ask, on our Vision Builder Sunday, we begin to sow into the vision. Because the vision needs builders. The vision needs builders. The vision needs, what a builder is, is someone that doesn't just hear the vision or see the vision. It's someone that takes action to make the vision manifest. And so what we did as a, as a leadership group is the Lord put in my heart an amount that I'm going to give above and beyond our tithe and our offering. And by the way, if you're in this place, I want you to know something about our leadership team here. Every single leader that is part of Christ Uncensored House of Worship is a leader that believes so much in what God is doing in the house and, and feel obligated or more so compelled, I should say, to sow into the vision that every leader in this house, not, not only do they tithe, because how many know the tithe belongs to God? Amen. Our leaders don't just tithe. 
our leaders give above and beyond the tithe. What I mean is that they have what is considered 10% of what God has already given them. In other words, if God has given me $1,000 a week, how much of that belongs to God? 10%. But how much is that amount? $100. See, some of you guys like, I tithe, but you give 7%. That's not a tithe. Some of you guys like, tithe. No, that's, that's cleaning detergent. That's something different. And so our leadership team has been consistent and dedicated to give their 10%. Not out of obligation and not out of the Old Testament command. This is something that we believe our generosity starts from, from the 10%. So 10% is not even the standard. 10% is the threshing floor. And so the leadership has have dedicated themselves to give 10% of of their income, whatever God brings in, 10% is, is going to be given over to God, right back to God. And so in addition to that, what the church has decided to do and the leadership of the church has decided to do is to give above and beyond the tithe and offering. So not only do we, the leaders give their tithe, the leaders also give their offering. Now beyond that, someone shout beyond that. Beyond that, Lisa and I have committed in our hearts to give not only our tithe, not only our offering. We decided to give a monthly donation towards the vision. Why? Because the vision is yours, but it's going to cost you something. Is that a sacrifice for a home of six, ki- of six people? Is that a sacrifice For a home that has two incomes, a 24-year-old, a 22-year-old, an 18-year-old, my goodness, Bishop lives with me now full-time, my refrigerator is gone. (laughs) Is that a sacrifice? Of course. But I don't don't look at what I'm giving up, I look at what I'm giving to. I'm giving to. It's a sacrifice. And guess what? The moment you decide that you're going to be, the moment I decided that I was going to give $140 above a month for the next two years, YouTube demonetized me. Come on, somebody. That's when you're like, that must have been the devil telling me to give the $140 because I couldn't. No, but, but if, if God put it in my heart then, then I believe that he's going to be faithful to the end. He's going to be faithful to the end. And I can't wait to share a testimony from that in the next few months because it's been crazy that in one area you're demonetized, but in another area, God just opens up the windows of heaven over your life. Okay, so, so we've decided, Pastor Lisa and I have decided that we're going to give $140 a month above and beyond our tithe. Not because we got it like that, not because that's sparingly, but because we believe in the vision of the house. Now, in the next two years, what that sums up is $3,360. Now, we presented this to our leaders, and our leaders are, uh, man, I'm so grateful. Anybody grateful for the leadership in the house? Like, seriously, Mike, I'm really, I look at Fran, Jenny, May, I look at our leaders, and I ask them if they would commit, along with their spouse, because the finances are done together, along with their spouse, if they would take on the challenge. And can I tell you, every single one of our leaders said yes, and they're ready to sow into the building so that we can reach our goal of $200,000. Now, in the next two years... In the next two years, the leadership team, this is minimum, as a minimum, I've decided to give $140 a month. As a minimum, 
This puts us between nine people, between your leadership team, solely. We will raise, in, the, in two years, $20,000, $20,160, just amongst your leadership team, just amongst your... So our $200,000 goal has now been decreased to $180,000. Now, with that being said, we've already collected an amount, and with the amount we have collected, and with the amount that we're going to collect within the two years, just from our leadership, it means we only have $167,000 to collect in the next two years. Now, so where are the other 90%? And I just believe that there are people here today that God is speaking to that you're giving your tithe, you're giving your offering. And if you're here and you're like, I haven't even given my tithe. So I was okay, let me encourage you. Start giving your tithe. Um, and this is what I, I just started writing some names down. Can, can we put the next slide? Like, what if, what if those names started getting filled? Lucas and Emily and Angie and Zab and Sheila and Stephen and more, and said, hey, we're going to be committed that above, 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 and beyond our tithe. If your name is up there, and I didn't ask your permission, forgive me. I was just doing what the Lord put in my heart. I'm just saying. <laughs> and you're not obligated to this amount. This is just using a hypothetical situation that if, if people in this room began to say, I'm going to make the sacrifice. I know that God has given us the land, but I know it's going to cost us something. So where do we fill in the blank? I believe he's called all of us to do that as the worship team comes up. All we need, we would need to raise $167,000 in the next two years is 48 people that would say, you know what, for the next two years, I'm going to be committed. For the next two years, I'm going to devote in my heart. And can I just... Can I just be transparent? There's nothing that you would give up for God that he won't repay you double. There's nothing. Listen to me very clearly. There's some of us in this room that we're going to sow and we're going to give in to this. The leaders in this, I, I was able to recognize the leaders because they won't do it for themselves. They, they'll never step on this stage and, and talk about their, so I like, I like to praise them and honor the leadership of this house. And I'll, and, and I'll do that all day. But there's some of us in this room that are going to make that kind of commitment and no one's ever going to know about it. But in heaven, you will be rewarded. There, there's some things that you're going to step out in faith on. And guess what? Ten years from now, when we're in our building... There was a Tim that sold that no one knows who Tim was. Nobody knows. No, nobody knew Lulu. Nobody, no, they won't know that Lulu was the one that was sowing every single month. They won't know. They'll just walk into an amazing building. But you know who would know? God will know. I heard, I heard George, we were talking about this the other day. And we were talking about Moses and Joshua, and I was sharing with him some of the message. And he says, it's interesting that so many of us now ride the train, but don't realize there was someone years ago who laid down the tracks. And I think that today we're laying down the tracks. 
so that one day there will be people riding on a highway. It's crazy because Amanda shared the team rally today, and she's like, you know why we're building this church? She didn't know what I was going to preach on. She's like, you know why we're building this church? She goes, because I want my kids to go to this church and my grandkids to go to this church. And she cried, and that girl never cries. Can you stand up on your feet? I'm going to ask you to take out your envelope. The Lord wants me down here, so I'm just These are vision builders. These are vision builders envelope. Do you have it? If you need one, can you just raise your hand? If you just need one, we have our host team that's going to come to you. There's two over here that might need. And by the way, if you're here for the first time, unless you feel like a thousand percent compelled by God, don't feel obligated to give in any way. Don't feel obligated to give. I'm just glad that you're here. If you're watching online, there's several ways you can give. We're going to ask our host team to bring up the basket. And I want you to just take a step of faith right now. Can you... If you're writing out a check, you can write it out to Christ Uncensored, House of Worship. Or you can write it to Kuhau. There's four ways you can give. I want to show it to you. You can go to our website. You can give cash tag at Kuhau. Or you can write out a check. And here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to, everything that's collected today is going to be given towards our Vision Builder Sunday. Amen? But beyond today, I'm asking some of us to begin to take on that commitment as well and if you're willing to take that commitment today i'm going to ask you to let our connect team know in the back so our connect team we're just going to take down some of the names of people that are saying hey I'm, now it doesn't have to be 140 dollars. it can be whatever amount that is above and beyond your tithe and offering he's saying hey i'm going to give 50 dollars every month towards the building amen I'm not going to overestimate what could be done in a year. I'm going to look forward to all that God is going to do in the years to come. Amen? Amen? So this is your offering, and I'm just going to ask you, would you just join me here in the front? Just come with your offering. Just right here. If you're giving through your phone, would you just come with your phone? Just come with your phone. Just right here to the front. We're going we're gonna to lift up our offering together. Come on. Come on. We're going to make a declaration. We thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Jesus, God. We thank you that you're going to do much with these five loaves and these two fish. That you're going to do much with the little that we are giving even right now. Or what may seem little and insignificant, oh God. You're going to use it to change the world. You're going to use it to change Staten Island. And we give you the praise and we give the glory. Can we say this together? Can we put up our creed? We're going to count to three. We're going to say this together. One, two, Three, today I give generously, acknowledging that God has first given me all I have. I give because I trust in the Lord. I give because it is better to give than receive. I give because I believe in the vision of this church family. As I give, I believe God is opening up the windows of heaven over my life and pouring out an overflowing blessing. I believe that as I give, it is being given back to me. Good measure, pressed down 
ground, shaking together and running over. I believe I am blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Would you just come forward with your offering? And if you're giving through your phone, would you symbolically come and tap? Thank you, Jesus.